1: In today's episode, we are going to have another exciting discussion on the purpose of physical education. Our key focus is on exploring and challenging the various conceptions of the what the discipline is about. What's the purpose of having physical education in our schools? Although the ideas surrounding the centrality of meaningfulness in movement are gaining traction, It seems there is still a lot of work to do in bringing them into the bigger debates on the purpose of PE. How can we move the conversations forward in a critical but constructive way? I'm delighted to have Craig Dreyer visiting the podcast for the second time. When we first did our podcast session in autumn 2020, Craig was still the director of the Center for Physical Education, Sport and Activity at Kingston University. After our previous conversation, Craig has chosen to fully focus on working on the My Move app. He is the co-founder of this app that was launched in 2019. Welcome to the podcast, Craig. It's such a pleasure to have you here with me today.
0: Uh, thanks very much. It's lovely to be here, and uh, yeah, always, always good to um, have a conversation with you. And yeah, thanks for the thanks for the return invite.
1: Yeah, you've been very active in terms of discussing these ideas you've done loads of blog writing debates um, webinars and all these things it's been really lovely to follow all your work and so loads of listeners also tuned in to our previous discussion what yeah about one and a half years ago I guess but so a lot changed in your life after that so could you just give us a little little update on what has been going on since we last spoke
0: Um, Yes, um, I mean, as you outlined in the intro, the biggest change is that um, I left Kingston to be full-time on the app with my co-founder, Marcella. And um, so uh, it's been a hell of a transition along with obviously the pandemic, with um, coming out of the pandemic. If we are coming out of the pandemic, let's hope we are. um, A change in our working lives, a change in our learning, uh, a change in our focus you know, we always say we've sort of accidentally found ourselves running a tech startup. And as two experienced uh, education workers, um, that's um, quite a, well, it's it's quite a shock, really, and involves exciting journeys that we, we, we're going on. It's also a little bit unnerving at times, I won't, I won't pretend it isn't. Um, there seems like, you know, there's an awful lot to do. But on the whole, it, it's a really, a really exciting journey and so much to learn, uh, whether it's uh, in the tech field, whether it's around, you know, something that will probably feature quite prominently around understanding, you know, forgive me for, you know, using tech stroke commercial language, but understanding the user experience, uh, the user journey. Um, and I think so much of that, what we are learning is actually so applicable for education generally. To really have a user-focused approach to learning or to tech use is it, it's, it's really transferable, which is a little bit ironic because one of the critiques that we will probably dive into later of, that I've been presenting around uh, certain claims that are made for physical education is that I'm actually challenging the transferability. And here I am early on in this conversation saying that we could transfer between disciplines Um, And hopefully, you know, I'll I'll clarify that for anyone who's listening um, around that. But, you know, I I think as we enter this stage of our our career, um, understanding learning education and physical education in particular by drawing upon different disciplines. And in this case, I'm drawing upon um, the sort of psychology and the commercial awareness around app development or what makes a really good product. You know we've been learning loads about product market fit well when i was a teacher i i didn't even know what that was and i'm looking at that thinking gosh what is product market fit for physical education and it's a it's a wonderful question really challenging question but there's loads to explore there and so you know when i'm working with with teachers and and uh, you know we understanding and unpicking that question now I listened to a podcast the other day talking about product market fit and the the guy said the best definition of product market fit is if 40% of the users would express serious disappointment or cry if the product was taken off the shelf and they could never use it again and I thought what a great question to ask kids at school if you never did PE again would you cry for the remainder of your school um, for your school journey I think that would be a fascinating piece of research. So if anyone who's about to study PhD is um, is is listening to this, then yeah, there's, I've just given you a thesis title.
1: <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. We'll look forward to seeing what comes out of that in a few years. <laughs> but so, I mean, working on this app and we already discussed last time kind of technology and there are the critical views on technology and people using those too much. And, Intuitively, many wouldn't maybe think that meaningful physical education, you worked on the concept, debated that, promoted that in your work, that it actually goes together with the app. So, would you maybe just share a little bit on how your thinking around meaningful PE has evolved and how you see that as providing you some foundation to work on the app as well?
0: Yeah. So, the app is really born out of, um, that sort of philosophy, I say sort of because I think you know all of us draw on a range of inspirations, uh, philosophical inspirations and uh, and of course practical inspirations and me- the, the work around meaningful PE which of course is underpinned by the work around existentialism, the work of John Dewey, the work of the various such significant contributors in education in its broadest sense uh, and, and beyond as you've been writing about recently around the work on craftsmanship and and meaning and purpose etc so so the app uh, for anyone who's who's tuning in who's not aware of it just to put it into context the app is a self-reporting app where young people report uh, log journal all the physical activity that they do and just to clarify that we have a lot of internal conversations around well, how will, how are we scoping how where's the border for physical activity so we get asked a lot around by schools using the app to around uh, log in active transport, for example. And at the moment, we, you know, we go going with that, like young people can log walk in, as in walking to school. Um, and in many ways, that's sort of a little bit off limits for us. We don't really want to go there. But what we're really interested in, which comes back to well, everything sort of stems from my go-to definition of what is a physically educated person, which um, was a wonderful definition by James McAllister, which I hang pretty much everything off of. And he, he says that a, free, a physically educated person is one who freely chooses to engage in physical activity to support their life flourishing. So they are the sort of big things that we work on. So I, I, I think there's really difficult questions that, around, does active transport, support life flourishing, is it a conscious decision in the same way as one might put on a pair of running shoes and go for a run? Um, It strikes me as being an inherently different connection. So I guess if I'm being really honest, I'm a little bit sceptical of active transport as a way of hooking people into having a deep emotional connection with physical activity to put it really bluntly I don't see a lot of 12 year olds get really excited about getting off the bus a few stops early to complete the journey to school on foot um, mm. that that doesn't seem to be a very thrilling experience to me and I want young people to be hooked into the thrill the excitement the uncertainty of physical activity or whatever it is that they're getting from it going back to the app they self-report what they do and that builds a connection because the teachers and other stakeholders within the school community can log into the back end of the app and they can engage with that data and engage with that student. So um, to go back to your the debates and discussions around digital embodiment, if I can use that term, and certainly if I can use that term accurately, question, um, the, the app is not... We never talk about the app being a tracking device. Uh, and a tracking device comes from from, as you'd be only too aware, notions of surveillance that, you know, that's the language that the World Health Organization uses around surveying populations, levels of physical activity. And that's not where we're coming from at all. Um, I, I think that's much more aligned to wearable tech where the user is very passive in the journey. Um, and sometimes as you've touched upon in your work, the tech can drive and shape the experience. We're very much that the tech is used to support the experience and the user is always proactive. Because they have to go into the app to log the activity, that's a conscious, proactive behaviour. And it gives them time and space, hopefully, to go on a journey to be able to reflect, learn, uh, transcend their own levels of awareness around the whys, the ifs, the whens, the how they Engage in physical activity, obviously I'm not suggesting that every time a young person logs an activity which takes about three or four seconds That they have some transcendental experience and a deep experience of reflection But over time you get a really clear picture And it's the journaling that we're beginning to see is very self-validating and very inclusive Because the message is any physical activity that the young person engages with is worth recording. Therefore, it has validity. Um, nobody's saying any, any type of physical, physically active experience is better than another type. Um, and I think that's something that needs disruption because we live in a world where high performance is so elevated and celebrated. Mm-hmm. So um, that's to you know, if I've answered your question, we're very much not coming from a place of number crunching. In fact. Uh, we, the, the, we we see the numbers to be honest as a bit of a bore. Bit, that's the boring bit of the of the app. Uh, for some stakeholders, it is really important. So if I you know if I was responsible for physical education and had the stated goal which physical education does have of supporting young people being active, then yes, it's really important. I think that we have we are able to evidence an X percent increase or decrease in activity because we implemented a certain program or a certain approach to a program, I think we do need to close that loop um, as physical educators and get much stronger evidence of the impact of our work. So at that level, yeah, really important to get the numbers. From the end user, from the student's perspective, yeah, for for some young people looking at can I increase my activity five percent this month, they've got the data to do that. But there's also, you know, like any tech different users will use it for very different purposes and in different ways
1: mm-hmm. yeah i'll get back to your earlier point so if we think of this physical education or physical activity experiences can kind of contributing to flourishing and we can that they would be meaningful experiences and then you question this walking a bit further hopping out of the bus a couple of stops before and I'd easily agree with you but then on the other hand for example discussing with uh, Sigmund Lowland in the podcast and he talked about this everyday walking also in the urban settings as also having this ecological potential that it can awaken us to our environment and when I think about it for example I live quite close to work but I often prefer to walk instead of taking the bike because I need the time uh, kind of the empty time just to switch off from work, maybe enjoy the environment for a little bit and not just only if I'm late for a meeting, I'll go with the bike and otherwise I'll walk because I kind of really find some value from just being outdoors for a little little bit uh, during the day. So these might start with instrumental reasons, as you put it, that, yeah, people need to walk more, hop yeah. off earlier but some might yeah. find this, whether it's an ecological experience or some other ways, valuable time for themselves as they walk.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. From a personal perspective, um, I've lived in London all my life, and um, I generally always use uh, active methods of commuting. We we walk to our office, which is about half an hour. I, I, I've always um, been on my bike to commute. So when I was in Kingston, I had a twenty-five k commute so that's 50k a day and i did that on my on my bike and i on the whole i really liked it but I, th- the, and so i do agree that it gives you headspace it gives you a connection to your environment and there's lots of ways that a person and i'll i'll, I'll just preface that uh, an adult can gain deeper benefit than just saving on the train fare or 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 the other sort of headline benefits of active transport and you know the the supposed health benefits from that I'm not sure young people necessarily connect and if they do connect in those ways I think there's really great learning to be had in making them as self-aware as you just described I'm going to walk to school so that I can have moments of mindfulness and thinking and you know I'm not sure I see many young people walking to school in that way. Um, They might walk to school to have social connection, but I think there's avenues to explore for young people to uh, have that self-awareness and even to be able to articulate. Actually, I do walk to school with my friends because that is a strong time for us to connect, to exchange ideas, to talk, to laugh, whatever it is that we're doing. So which I don't think is particularly complicated for them, but I just don't hear those conversations very often.
1: Yeah, I also think looking at this also that from this developmental perspective and how actually young people then, how do they make sense of that or yeah. what is uh, what is the purpose of doing that in the first place and, and to help them to w- become more aware of the potential of these experiences as well. Yeah. yeah. Let's now move on to... I mentioned that you've been very productive. You all have all these blogs as well that I really like, and all of them kind of, the recent ones, cohere around asking questions about what is the purpose of physical education. And so you talked about the health perspective. You talked about this idea of as life coaching. You mentioned transferable skills already as we started discussing So one of these ideas now is that physical education should give all these benefits in relation to all possible areas of life and make us successful (laughs) and so on. And so you've argued that we should, so to speak, stay in our lane, if you think of physical educators, and using this to critique this idea of PE as life coaching as well. This was one of your blog's. So shall we start exploring this first before moving to the other themes?
0: Yeah, well, um, I guess where to, where to start. And um, you know, I'd acknowledge the um, thought-provoking work that, that you did in that space and in analysing and discussing well, wh- what do we mean by a skill and why is that word skill used. And, uh, and that was um, a number of readings that, that prompted critical thinking about the direction of travel. And it does seem to be a very popular Direction of travel, so I think one of the one of the starting points is why is it why is it being so seductive? Um, why is it such a persuasive argument? Why has the physical education profession been pulled in that direction? Maybe that is a bit passive, or has has travelled in that direction. And I think that that seduction is quite straightforward and. But it, I think it needs disrupting. And I think it needs disrupting because if we're going to present a case that is uh, that, that requires teachers to invest time, effort and energy to rethink their work, if we're going to present a case which is going to fundamentally change the experience uh, and the messaging that we are giving to young people, then I think we owe it to ourselves to interrogate that. And to ask simple questions, maybe that's not the right word. Maybe they're not simple questions. Just to ask questions around uh, policy and practice and how this plays out. And it, it, it's not a new thing. Uh, I think I put in my in, in in the blog you referred to that in the very origins of um, physical education as we know it in certainly in the Western Hemisphere, North Northern Hemisphere as well, which started in the elite public schools of of, of Britain. Uh, you know, Matthew Arnold, the, the head teacher at Rugby School, you know, wrote extensively about about sport as it was games, as they called it, and character building for a very specific political reason that they were producing the the young men who were going to go out and well and colonise the world through the British Empire. Now we can look at that through decolonialising lens and and critique that in its sort of geopolitical. Uh, perspective, but the, the point I'm making is that there's nothing new in these. I think they are rather simplistic, uh, rather tenuous links. That okay, when you're on the rugby field as the boys at his school were, and you are develop, c- developing camaraderie and a joint purpose and a joint goal, and you know, let's be blunt about it joint violence uh, inflicted on an opponent, then that's going to transfer into a very, very different setting. And you're going to be a certain type of person because of your experiences in sport. Now, fast forward 200 years, you know, there's a publication that listeners can Google called The Relationship Between Physical Activity and Academic Attainment um, that was produced by the British government, the the Department for Education. And, you know, it's presented as high authority, research driven. And, you know, I, I think we just need to keep an open mind on that because there might be other ways of understanding that relationship. So in my blog I referred to Bradford Hill test, which is was originally used, it was a, a test of correlation and causation, and it became very prominent in the lawsuits against the tobacco industry, where the claimants had to prove that tobacco smoking led to lung cancer and other diseases. So these were these these tests were used to to present that in a robust logical way and the fifth of those tests is around timing. So in the case of the lung cancer lawsuit, the question was were there traces of lung cancer before the smoking? Okay, so that if we if we pick that up and we look at academic attainment. These are really complex sort of uh, phenomenon, like how does a young person attain highly? And I think it's uncontested to say that young people who are well supported um, whether that be at home, whether it be at school or, or or whatever that means. But let's just park that for a moment and let's just say we understand what it means to be well supported. Young people who have certain privileges develop a positive relationship with their studies. They develop confidence and other personality traits. And that, that is exactly what you need as well to be physically active. So rather than advocating um, in a very simplistic way, if you are physically active, you are more likely to attain highly in, uh, academically. It might actually be we're just counting the same kids, or it might just be working the other way. That the confidence that a young person gets from having success in parts of their lives, or what is judged to be success in parts of their lives, might then support them in being physically active. And so that's that's just one really. Uh, straightforward example of how this stuff doesn't necessarily play out and I think I think the whole discourse around transferable life skills um, is littered with these flaws and underpinning all of them is the fact that it's almost impossible as far as I understand and people might have better better knowledge of this than I have it's almost impossible to evidence so therefore it becomes a whim. And I'll probably downplay that. It, it's not a whim. It's a political choice that's born out of a very specific view of the world. So the life skills that are um, chosen come from a, a, a particular bias. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. We've all got biases and we can all view sport and and what sport and physical education brings to a young person through our own uh, our own biases. Now, I can watch a high, uh, I can watch the Olympics and look at the unity of young people around the world and internationalism and collaboration uh, and the sweet contests that are taking place, um, the respect for each other. And, uh, you know, someone else from a different perspective might well look at you know the raw competition, the the quest for superiority, the geopolitical status that that brings, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we can all take this thing and look look at it differently. I'm not saying I'm free from those biases. Of course I'm not. But when we look at um, the most, one of the most common transferable skills that's referred to regularly in education around this fixation at the moment with resilience, and that that resilience is transferable. Well, I don't think that plays out in many people's lives. Um, you know, I, I, I did work with many students who were what we would refer to as arriving at university from non-traditional academic pathways, which means in the high status public exams in England and Wales, they didn't attain very highly. And they came to university either as mature students or as working students, etc. And they, they were massive advocates at the beginning of a course around transferable skills and, and sport and peer gives you discipline and resilience to, to attain highly in everything in your life. And then it, it didn't take a lot to have reflective conversations with them. It was along the lines of, well, when you were 16, you were doing an awful lot of sport and doing it very, very well in many cases, but your academic grades didn't reflect that. So it can't just be that simple. All of our motivation... Um, from an ecological perspective, seems to be really context-specific. If I take my own life experiences, you know, as a young person, I found it much, much more, mo- I was much more motivated to go and train than I was to go and work very hard academically. I did, and I, I did okay, not, wasn't a particularly high flyer as a 16, 17-year-old, but, no, you know, I, I could really push myself very, very hard physically. So... It just seems really, really simplistic. It seems very politically driven. But, you know, if we if we unpick that, it's, it's a political perspective which is just presented as absolute common sense. You know, you're working hard there, so therefore you can transfer that. And, you know, young people have been fed this for, for a long time, applications for universities. You know, talk about your sport. They are advised because the university will read it and think there's somebody who can get on with other people. And that, that doesn't even, you know, open the world of all of those people who do sport actually to be on their own, you know, just to run through a forest or to, you know, to go swimming. You know, swimming is <laughs> really popular, but you don't have very good conversations when you're swimming. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah. so, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. And the other thing obviously here as well is that how much are we focusing on our energies on these issues of transfer and which skills and to whom and in what circumstances and so on. But also the bigger question in terms of what you also raised is that do we think about physical education only in terms of how it helps young people in other domains, or should we also refocus our conversation around Why are these physical education and physical activity experiences worthwhile on their own? So what's kind of the internal value of, of these movement activities that young people engage in? Good. So time is running. Thanks so much for the conversation so far. Let's finish up the first part here. And in the second part, we focus on exploring further also in relation to this Ofsted review, You wrote a blog about that and then we'll continue these debates on around the purpose of physical education Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you Thank you for your support. If you found value in this show, we would really appreciate the rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you're using. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, so be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.